0: Companion, I am your host Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar.
1: I'm Stephen Embry.
0: This is episode seventy-two, and today we are discussing uh, Next Gen's third season episodes: The Offspring, Sins
1: of the Father, and Allegiance. Here we go. The Offspring, Season 3, Episode 16, Production Number 164. Original air date, March 12, 1990. Directed by Jonathan Frakes, written by Renee Echeverria, music composed by Ron Jones. Guest cast include Halle Todd as Lol, Nicholas Coster as Admiral Anthony Halftel, Whoopi Goldberg as Guinan, Judy Ann Elder as Ballard, then Diane Moser, Hayne Bale, Maria Leone, and James G. Becker as ten forward crew members. <laughs> Hoping to
2: further his creator's work and perpetuate his species, Data creates an android named Law, who has received Data's programming through neural transfers. Although Picard is apprehensive about Starfleet's reaction to the unauthorized experiment, he allows Data to continue his research.
1: The children were not laughing with you. They were laughing at you. Explain. One is meant kindly, the other is not. Why would they wish to be unkind? Because you are different. Differences sometimes scare people. I have learned that some of them use humor to hide their fear.
0: The offspring. Man, I've I, I've always. I think most people like this episode. I think it's a very, very, very good episode. We're gonna have fun talking about it, and I've always had such good memories of it. Um. The first thing that struck me when I was watching this, you know, because of the way we've we've timed our podcast just, you know, 333, three, three, we didn't see that, you know, this is the first episode we're discussing today, but when you think about what were the the last episode we really would have discussed was yesterday's enterprise. Then you got the offspring. Then you got the next one we're going to discuss sins of the father. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. What a f-
0: incredible freaking 3 for 3 punch right there. You know, it's like I see how a lot of people say next gen third season is its best. You've got stuff like these three in a row, and even the slouches like the the last one we're gonna talk about today, *Allegiance*. And I still like that; and it's still it's still good. It's got a lot of cool stuff in it. But, but man, yesterday's *Enterprise*, *The Offspring*, and *Sins of the Father* <laughs> that's awesome. And *The Offspring* is, is such a nice like bottle episode between those other two. Um, but there there are very few episodes of *Star Trek* that that I can well up a little bit at the end of, the, of the, mm-hmm. you know, but this, this is one of them.
1: Yeah,
2: for sure.
0: Um, yeah. So what are your guys' you know, first thoughts about this one?
1: You remember it? Has your opinion on it changed much over the years? Oh, uh, I, I remember it. And it's always been one, it's in somewhere in probably my top 10 or something of next gens for uh-huh. sure. It's, um, yeah, it's obviously very touching. I think, you know, you, have this whole notion of parenthood summed up in a forty-five minutes kind of thing, or whatever. And and uh, you know, the the acting job. You know, I mean, of course, Brent Spiner always, but this uh, Hallie Todd who plays Loll, and and then you get some Whoopi Goldberg thrown in there, and everyone's interactions and their performances are so good. It's it you just totally buy it, and I, and it's I think that's what really delivers it for me.
2: Yeah, I enjoyed it as well. Um, it's a, you know, if we look at was it Measure of a Man kind of a, a sequel to that episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it still asks some of the same questions that 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 episode actually um brought to the forefront. So, um it continues that kind of that um that theme of like kind of like what is life? What is sentient sentient life um and and how how do you deal with new new sentient life that's created? And um yes, yeah, should the- it be treated good?
0: Some of the questions I like the way that some of the questions that it picks up from Measure of a Man, uh, you know, it kind of takes the next step with some of these questions. I think mm-hmm. so. You know, now you've got, you know, what it means to be human, and and if part of that definition is procreation, um, and then but then even better, I like I like, you know, like when Data says to I think it's I don't remember is it Troy I forget. Um, he says, um, "No, I think he says it to Crusher. I'm incapable of giving her love, or something." You know, it's it's interesting because you can't watch this episode and 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 not think Data loves her. You mm-hmm. know, but it, but it makes you kind of how do you define love? You mm-hmm. know, Data is defining it in a in a certain kind of very uh, boxed dictionary way in which yes, okay, he does not feel love for her, but. I like that it, that it makes you kind of question exactly what is love and what does it mean to love mm-hmm. you know and data is expressing that by you know caring so much about um, guiding her and he and it being his as he says it's his duty he says to the admiral you know it's a, it's my duty to guide and support her you know and if that's not the love of a parent I don't know what is you know he doesn't he does not let her go without a fight, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um so I I like that it it really is a nice companion episode in that sense, you know. Yes, there are a couple of redundant questions with Measure of a Man, mm-hmm. but it is it makes for a great companion episode of that because it, it just touches on those a little bit and then it goes even it, it it's an opportunity to go
1: even deeper, you know. Which is, Um, which is good because I think any kind of, you know, you start talking about, you know, analogies to civil rights, there always is a next step. You know, there always is a time mm -hmm. when you, you have some victory and then, you know, you can't just sit back and, okay, everything's fine now and we're equals now. No, there's all, you know, we see in history a million times, you know, there's always ongoing things, hurdles that you have to go through, you know, and this is, this kind of shows that follow-up. And then it's,
2: you know, it's been a theme throughout, um, all the star Trek series, um, each one of the series you can look at, they've tackled the, that issue in one way or another, you know, in the original series, there's, was, there's was plenty of episodes about race equality. Um, and next gen, you kind of see them, they take a different approach to it. It's like, wh- you know, with data, you know, what is he? And, and what was the question in measurement, man, you know, what, what do you, what do you do with a race of data? I mean, one data is unique, but what do you do with a race of data? And, We see it continue in DS9 um, with um, Captain Sisko. Later on in the series, what was this character's name? Um, Benny Sisko when he was writing the novels. Oh, my gosh. I forgot. Mm With the character's name, but you know they talked about that, and then in Voyager, you see it more with the the Doctor, the Ho- the hologram mm-hmm. character. Um, kind of similar questions to what's going on with Data. So it's always been a kind of a theme in, in Star Trek, and it's 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 a good debate to have, and it's a good question to keep bringing back up because it's something that's um, you know it, it's it's part of our society as ugly as it may be or as hard to talk about it, it's
0: it's yeah. still good. And that's one of the reasons that it, you know, the purpose of our show is too is to see if these things hold up over time. And that's one of the reasons this episode does hold up over time. Those things you're just you were just discussing discussing, Adam. Because you know, these are like universal forever questions about humanity, you know? It it was interesting to me, of course, this is the first time I've watched this episode since becoming a parent. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, which it really felt like you know, it felt like somebody involved in the writing in this must have been a parent. I actually don't know if that's true now, but it kind of felt like they really had some they had some insight. Um, well, I guess Michael Piller, who would have done some rewriting on it. I know he had kids, right? But I don't know that anybody else that was involved with this did. Um, oh, by the way, this was the first script from Renee Echeverria, and we've always wondered how you pronounce it. I listened to the commentary on the Blu-rays. He says his name. <laughs> it's definitely Etch. Echeferiat, not Ek, it's Eche. Anyway, um, of course, so this is a, this was a spec script. Um, it had a lot of other stuff in it, but the the core of it was this idea of Data's child, and that's what they picked up on. Him. And then he's going to submit one or two more spec scripts, and then eventually, of course, he's, he'll be on staff, I think, for Season 5, and then he'll go over to DS9 and stuff. The, uh, the other interesting thing production-wise about this episode, of course, is in all the history of Star Trek, this is the first time that a main cast member directed it. So, this Jonathan Frakes was the first guy to direct episodes of Trek of Next Gen. And in the original series, you know, Shannon and Emoy, they wanted to direct and nobody, and they weren't allowed. Mm-hmm. Uh, on this show, Frakes was the first person to ask. And Berman um, said, okay, but you're going to have to do this. And Frakes has said many times in interviews that he spent like 300 hours. Um, as he says, going to school, so just following around other directors and sitting in the editing room and stuff like that to kind of prepare. Anyway, so this is the one he got, and how lucky he was to... <laughs> you get a bottle show, you get a, a data show. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know, it's, it's of course good storyline. So. But of course, Frakes is going to go on to be probably the most prominent of all the... of everybody, because he even did a couple of the features. Um, so, anyway. Um... For uh, Another funny thing about this episode, it's another piece of, it's another piece of evidence in uh,
1: Steve's ongoing evil admiral theory. Yes, <laughs> I made the notes. Yeah, it's like they're, they're all evil. Most of the time they're incompetent in some respect, yeah. too.
0: Yeah. Um, but uh, it has some, there's some nice moments of humor in here. Um, uh Data like the children were laughing at you. you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, pretty funny. Um, uh, and of course, the the one little Riker scene. Uh, yeah, I was really. What are your that. commander? What are your intentions with my daughter? That's that's sure. not. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, another perfect example of you know it's a good episode when you can't really talk about it without talking about what it's about. We we basically started our conversation. With what's this episode about you know kind of getting into some of these these questions and stuff and and that makes for a good episode whenever that's really the core of the story yeah. are are these important uh questions about humanity um so it's just a you know it it does feel very good you know um I like that that Picard has his uh his immediate reaction. <laughs> You know, is, that, is one that he does not want to accept. He, he doesn't want to accept it as if, you know, it's the same instinctive human response that he had in Measure of a Man. You know, he doesn't want to accept lol well, as Data's child. But I love how they immediately kind of define it. They they, they very specifically define it as he, he has taken some of the things out of his, yeah. I don't know, neural net or something and transferred them over. You know, so there is a sense of um, of actually, this creature being his offspring. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: I, I think it's more Picard just doesn't want to deal with the evil admirals. He's just like, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <I> was, <laughs> you know let's say he puts put his hands out. in his face. He's like, oh my god, I got to deal with another crazy <laughs> admiral because of this. Data, what were you thinking?
0: You know, the other thing that I that I always think about with this episode is the the good episodes are the ones that deal with our characters. And then the ones that, um, you know, but the, by the end of it, our character has evolved. Boy, you can't get any more literal than that. I mean, during this episode, Data had one of my favorite moments. I don't remember where the scene is, but Data has something about says something about that he shares in Law's learning experience. Mm-hmm. Like as mm-hmm. she is learning, he's learning things about about what it means to be human, and about her and about himself. You know, and then by the end of the episode, he literally. Um, Incorporates her memories into his own. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What's this? Um, so I guess we are have have talked about what it's about. Hmm? Yeah. Well, it's kind of like
1: it's a it's kind of like peeling back an onion, really. I mean, you know, the those it's so layered in terms of what it's about. I mean, you you have this notion of parenthood. You know, let's sum up what parenthood is like, and let's do it in this compressed time because we can in science fiction. Um, but then we've also talked about how, how do you define the right of humanity, what does it mean, to, you know, sentience, and so on, and, and especially with, uh, with offspring and children, what's it mean to have a, a child? Does it have to be a biological thing? You know, the definition, what their nature of relationships, and even we spoke of the um, notion of what is, what is love. Uh, Data doesn't even believe he can feel that emotion, yet he's demonstrating it. So is love, how much of it is an emotion, how much of it's a choice? So I think it's, it's a fairly complex, a lot, of, a lot of complexities in this one.
0: Yeah, the other thing that it makes me th- like I, I just mentioned how uh, data clearly evolves over the course of this episode we also have we can very plainly see how those around him do as well you know we were just talking about Picard at the beginning think about Picard by the end saying to data the whole crew shares in your grieves, shares in your grief or your loss or something like that right mm-hmm. you know um so that's another thing you nice you get out mean you okay so we can see how these other characters have evolved to see this differently as well. Mm-hmm. But, and one more thing that this episode tackles ever so briefly and subtly but effectively is how to deal with loss. You know, it's 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 a, it's commented on but mm-hmm. um uh, uh Caesar. Yes. What do you think for what this is about?
2: Um yeah, I think we basically talked about it it's um it's layered. We have talked about you know what is what is life and how how to treat it new especially new life um, it's also about what it's what it is to be a parent um, and you know how that teaches how you know how data is not only teaching them all but she's also teaching him and it's that um that circle relationship between a, a parent and a child and I think anybody who has a child Brian you can say this um would would agree that you learn just as much from the child as the child learns from you. So, um, yeah, it's, um, very layered episode. Yeah.
0: I love that moment of almost like joy and wonder that data has in 10 forward whenever she uses a contraction, mm-hmm. um, because it's like you have exceeded my abilities, you know, and it's, well, what more could any parent hope for, you know, uh, than their, their child exceeding their abilities, you know, um, yeah, and as I, I I mentioned at the very beginning of this, you know, this is one of those few episodes where if it doesn't make me flat-out cry, it certainly makes me feel a great deal of emotion at the end, you know, uh, when she's, you know, dying. Mm-hmm. Even just when, when the Admiral comes out and he has his lines about his hands were moving so fast, and you can see how quickly, you know, the Admiral has kind of changed his view. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And That's one of the things, very brief, I just wanted to ask here, so this episode is saying that it's because because of the admiral's um rather harsh interview uh and threatening threatening to take her away from her father um that she suddenly that that she experiences these emotions that she doesn't know how to handle and they they essentially kill her um or, or is it saying that maybe if maybe if she had if she had um had more time to evolve more slowly than she could have handled this is it is it saying that really truly this killed her or is was this inevitable?
1: i I don't know i I don't know for sure, but I think it certainly <clears throat> lent it I mean it it may have precipitated the event, and uh, that's why I kind of think I mean, he comes out, you know the admiral comes out and he's all changed, and he's emotional about it, and so on too, but a little bit of me was thinking like, well, you know <laughs> you, you uh you may have uh, caused this at least indirectly,
0: yeah, and he doesn't have any. I mean, you don't think he feels any responsibility in that sense. or He didn't did appear that. to, but... No. Yeah. I guess it's a minor point and it doesn't really make a difference, but I was just curious about that. Anyway, so so we all really like this episode a lot, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's really great. And then you get to do Sins of the Father right after. How awesome. Um, so, I think we've wrapped up this one. We're good? Good, yep. good. All right, moving on to... Six Degrees for the Offspring... Steve, you going first or second? I'll go first. Leonard Crowfoot plays the genderless lol before she decides to become a she. In Next Gen's first season, he played Trent, Beata's, uh, Beata's servant. Beata was the leader of Angel One, a planet in which the females run things. While Riker and his away team spend intimate time with Beata, what is happening on the Enterprise in Orbit? I believe the name of the episode was Angel One.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, let me see. Gosh, I remember that being the main point or the A story or whatever. Yeah, I'm trying so to recall the what's going on upstairs there. Um, uh, gosh, I just don't remember. Mr. Caesar?
2: Are they... Um- suffering from some sort of life-threatening virus or... You are spot
0: on. Everyone is sick with a virus. You're right. Of course they are. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They got the clue. Yep. I think we see Picard shirtless in bed, Mm. sweating or something. Uh,
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. uh, So, Adam, in Voyager's sixth season, Crowfoot played one of the Quomar spectators that was fascinated with the Doctor's singing in the episode Virtuoso. Why did they find his singing so interesting?
2: Um, Because they had no concept of music.
1: You are correct. Two for two. Moving on. Sins of the Father, Season 3, Episode 17, Production Number 165. Original air date, March 19, 1990. Directed by Les Landau. Story by Drew Dayhan. Teleplay by Ronald D. Moore and W. Reed Moran. Music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Charles Cooper as Kim Peck, Tony Todd as Kern, Patrick Massett as Duros, Thelma Lee as Callest, and Teddy Davies as Transporter Tech.
2: As part of an exchange program, a Klingon officer named Kern arrives aboard the Enterprise. He soon informs Worf that they are brothers, having been separated shortly before their parents were killed in a Romulan attack on the Kittemur outpost. Kern tells Worf that evidence has surfaced, which indicates their late father in the death of 4,000 Klingons.
1: What are the allegations, Worf?
2: My father is accused of aiding and abetting the Romulan attack on
0: the Kitamar outpost. The attack in which he himself was killed. Sins of the father. Boy, this episode sure brings a lot in mm-hmm. the future. I mean, okay, this is the first time I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, this is the first time we see the Klingon homeworld, although they don't really name it for a while.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: So we literally see it, some beautiful map paintings, You know, we actually see the city, we spend some time in the Klingon High Council, we spend some time, you know, Picard's going to go around, and we're going to see the city. Man, this episode, production value-wise, is nuts. It's got so many different sets. Even, mm-hmm. like, like, you're watching, even, even just the set where Curran gets attacked by Juras's, like, you know, assassin dudes. Anyway, um, so this episode brings us so much. We get all this information about Klingon culture and the, and the, um, the, the houses and, you know, um, we get the look of their homeworld. uh, beautiful, beautiful sets. This episode won an Emmy, um, for set decoration or something to that effect. I forget, but it, it won't, you know, it's was one of the few times they, they got nominated for Emmys a lot, but they never won. This is one of the few times they won. Um, it's, it's and of, and of course more than anything it brings us the future warp storyline that's going to go all the way through next gen and then it's going to go really it's going to go through all of ds9 too mm-hmm, mm-hmm. really um like if you were if you were watching next gen and and it and it didn't have anything to do with watching the best or the worst episodes you're just like i want i need i want to see the ones that are the most important narratively. This would absolutely be on that short list. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I don't think you could watch the other stuff uh, and and really fully understand it without having seen this episode. <laughs> and then of course, aside from all that stuff, it's a good episode. It's a good story. It's a fun politics-y thing. Mm-hmm. Um, really good, strong guest performances. Of course, Tony Todd is awesome. We love Tony Todd. This is the first time we see him as Kern. Thoughts, guys?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, we could have to. It would be a long list of episodes that draw something from this episode, and of course, Klingon culture in in a lot of ways. Much of that is established here, as you mentioned. So, yeah, it's it's uh, very important, and it's it's very intricate you know the narrative of this you know and it's interesting you have a mystery going on so there's a yeah there's a lot of good stuff it's it's very entertaining and uh, thought-provoking as well
2: yeah um even if you just took the first what 10 15 minutes of the episode it's pretty enjoyable kern being on the enterprise i found it was amusing he scared Mm -hmm. the crap out of wesley crusher um i enjoyed the the captain's dinner you know I should try some
0: of your burned replicated <laughs> he you
2: know, he's, he's spreading uh, you know the ca- his caviar over the, <laughs> over the <chicken> yeah. meat. <laughs> um so yeah, a lot of that is um it's actually amusing before we even find out um what's really going on it's it's kind of i kind of look at it as almost slightly two episodes, because you have that all going on yeah. and you, yeah. and then bam then then the real story comes about, but uh it, it was good up to that point as well, so um. I enjoyed it thoroughly.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, I talked about uh, Jeff Bond and the insight that he had about in the original series uh, with the uh, with the Menagerie Parts 1 and 2 how that established this sense of history within the Star Trek universe um, and how much of an effect that had on the way people would come to love the show and, you know, and, and and what the show would become. Um, now, this show, several people, including, you know, Ron Moore, the guy that really wrote the script. I mean, he based it on a couple of spec scripts, but um, we all love Ron Moore. And he's the first guy we think of when we think about good Klingon episodes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the first season that he's like a staff writer. So he's he's definitely, you know, hitting home runs here. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, he's talked many times about the importance of this episode for the following reason, you know, if if you know those first couple seasons of Next Gen, it was more like the original series in that it was, uh, you know, tech problem of the week or alien of the week or whatever weird planet of the week. You know, it wasn't so much about the characters, but just because Kirk, Spock, and McCoy were so strong and their bond together was so good that it, you know, it made those shows able to. It made them great based purely on the whatever allegory they were telling. Uh, next gen had a harder time with that those first couple of seasons and that's what it was it was like the original series in that same sense you know what is the alien of the week what is the weird planet of the week uh, michael pillar comes on season three we've talked about this so this this season is the first time where we switch it and now michael pillar is the showrunner and he says the shows need to be about our characters so when they pitch an episode it's not they encountered this alien no now it's This is a Picard episode where so-and-so happens, or this is a Worf episode where so-and-so happens. So that's, that's the first huge change out of season three. With this episode, Sins of the Father, in the end, at the end of the episode, you get Worf doing this awesome thing and saying, you know, I am going to accept this commendation for the Empire, for the good of the Empire. I will take this hit. You know, and he walks. He walks out. I love that shot too, when he and he and Picard walk out of the uh, High Council chamber. Um, But the way the show ends, there is a very real sense of okay, we have to come back to this story at some point. -hmm. You have to. There's no possible way you can leave Worf like this forever. You know, and we take that sort of thing for granted now. You know, all our Mm -hmm. modern television has that. serialized storytelling, and even by the time they got into DS9, they started doing more and more of it. But this episode is the first time they did something like that. In Star Trek, certainly the first time in Next Gen, and they never did it in the original series. But it's the first time where they ended something very consciously saying, okay, we have to come back to this in the future. We have to. Mm-hmm. It would have been incredibly unsatisfying not to, and they knew it when they made it. That's my point. Mm-hmm. You know, And that was a big deal for them to, to, to decide to do that. That was... You know, that's something Gene Roddenberry was always very against, anything remotely serialized. And it's not like we're going to get a whole season about this, but we are going to have several more episodes. You know, uh, Reunion, Redemption, um, and like we said, in in DS9, all of Worf is going to kind of become the storyline. So anyway, you know, Ron Moore has talked repeatedly about how that's the biggest thing to come out of this episode. Um, And that, that makes a lot of sense to me, you know, and that's in some ways what makes it the most important episode of the first few years, Of next gen um, because that's going to affect all of Star Trek Um,
2: I like how um, I like how they went with Picard and you know because you you, this is the first episode where we see Picard is actually going to become very heavily involved in Klingon politics and we'll see mm -hmm. it more in the upcoming episodes you were talking about so it's almost kind of like a reversal from um, say um, Captain Kirk, who was very much adversarial most of his time as the, the captain with the Klingons. So it's kind of a flip where we see Picard is going to be very much al- allied, aligned with a lot of different um, Klingons because he creates these different relationships um, through Wharf um, through their political system. So it's interesting to see that growth that we'll see with Picard going forward as well.
0: Well, Picard gets a lot of cool, cool stuff in this episode. We see Picard kill someone in this episode, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. After he goes to see Less and he comes outside, and the Klingons attack him, he kills that one, doesn't he? Allegedly, allegedly killed. All right, but I'm not. I'm, I'm trying to remember the last time we've seen Picard, even in an action scene, let alone actually kill someone. I mean, that that was pretty crazy. But then, even even earlier in the episode, when I think it's Duras comes up to him and says something about. You're just you're not a, a warrior or something, and he yeah. says, you know, you can test that hypothesis anytime you wish <laughs> or something to that effect, you know. Um, so it's it's kind of cool to get to see Picard. You know, it, it would have been easy, I think, to put Riker in the position of Chadich. He already knew the Klingons. Um, he is more of a fighter, uh, and it's more traditional on this show for Riker to be the one that goes down. But um, I, I like that it was Picard. I think Picard you know, you think about Picard and and Worf's relationship, really, you know, they had some great moments in, um... Oh, I forget the name of the episode. The one where Worf decides not to heal that Romulan, right? Mm -hmm. You know, but, but, like, this is the first real bonding thing I can think of for them, you know? And then, Mm -hmm. you know, take that all the way through, all the ups and downs they're going to have, and, you know, heck, one of the best scenes uh, in First Contact, of course, is... um, if you were any other man, I would
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kill, you.
0: kill you where you stand. You know, well, this is this episode is the reason why he doesn't kill him. <laughs> right, <laughs> when Picard calls Worf a coward in first contact. Well, you know, um, so it's yes. just uh, what, it's just a just a very very good episode. I I agree with Caesar. You, you know about it. Almost it's almost two episodes the way it flips from the Enterprise down to um. The Klingon homeworld. If I if I had and, and it's not that it's that whole section is good. Everything after is really good. If I have any one minor minor complaint about this, it's that they are a bit too disparate. Like maybe if it there had there'd been, I don't know. Like it, it it does feel a little bit like two episodes. Um, but that's believe me, that's a really really minor. Um, comment. I can watch oh, yeah. this episode quite a all the dang time. Let me tell
2: you. Yeah, yeah, really good. Yeah, it wasn't the, um, yeah, Riker didn't get a whole lot of meat in this episode. He kind of got shown up by Kern and then he did go down to the planet. What did, what did he go down to the planet for? He just kind of hung out there in the back. I, the only reason I bring it up is because you were saying um, Riker might have been the more traditional character yeah. to be, to, do what Picard was doing, but yeah, I just kind of cool. noticed, kind of, kind of noticed Riker was just kind of hanging out, didn't do much in this episode.
0: Mm-hmm. Frakes was probably on post uh, with uh, offspring. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So uh, this is another one where I assume you guys remember it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like the way Picard looks in his Jedi robes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I love. Oh my God, I laugh out loud at the end when Morph slaps Duras. And uh, you're the son of a traitor. Now I'm ready. You know? <laughs> that's very funny. And and the, the bit with um, with Less, the nurse calling. You know, you are still fat, Kim Peck. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. funny. That that's that makes me chuckle. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, we're even going to get lots of the Juras family. They're going to be kind of our Dolores yeah. Cleons for a long, long time. Um, what's this episode about?
1: Well, uh, I don't know. I struggle to narrow it down to one thing, but for me, it's kind of it's. You know, there's a lot of what you do for family and how important family is, but um, I think there's also the in a general, generally speaking, it's the notion of sacrificing for the greater good. You know, Worf, you know, basically steps up and gets, you know, dis- you know receives discommendation basically as as if he doesn't exist to his people anymore. Basically, to preserve the preserve the government, he could have chosen to uh, somehow go outside and expose this for what it was, you know, and the truth, and so forth. And he basically chose otherwise and lived to fight another day, and preserved, at least for the time being, his his people's government and so forth.
2: Um. Yeah, I, d- I definitely agree with all that. I would also say that um, you talked about it earlier, Brian. That um, this episode is about um. It's about Worf, and we learned a lot about him. And it's the beginning of this is story, the beginning of the storyline, this rich storyline that we're going to see, like you said, throughout the next couple of series. Um, so, just in that manner of speaking, this episode holds up because it's in, so important to the Worf character's storyline.
0: Uh, I want to talk briefly about this, this, this moment of um, Worf deciding to, you know, for the good of his people, because the Jurass family is so powerful. That if people point out that they're tra- – if people knew that they were traitors, it would just – everything would descend into the Civil War. Um, and then that the better choice is to leave this potentially dishonorable family in power to preserve the empire remind me now wasn't there something kind of near the end of ds9 I got to, it's just like way off in the distance of my memory and brain here and I can't quite get a hold of it wasn't there some moment maybe it was with quark or something where there's a similar kind of conversation going on and where he says something like if that's if that's what this society has become then maybe it is better off descending into the civil war maybe maybe it's time for this empire to die and it, you know if, hmm. if that's what it is you know
1: sounds vaguely familiar but I can't quite place it I can't quite place hmm. it either Well,
0: I must be some element of it that, that's. Mm-hmm. but anyway mm-hmm. it, it, it kind of it vaguely made me think of that um obviously Worf doesn't even remotely think that I think it's because his instincts are so quick to do whatever he perceives as the most honorable course of action yeah um but, anyway, um, maybe it's not, you know, he's preserving more than the Empire, because by, by preserving the Empire, he's keeping the peace with the Federation as well. Mm-hmm, true,
1: but, uh-huh. true.
0: But, anyway, um, you can kind of debate, debate that decision, but you cannot debate, uh, that, I mean, it's, it is definitely the choice that Worf would have made at this time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So it's definitely true to his character.
2: But. I mean, yeah, we also get to see that um, honor doesn't always hold true in the Klingon world either. There are um, weaknesses in, in in their society, or so it's got kind of almost it's almost like a chink in the armor. I could I could kind of say, you know, when you think of Klingons, you think of all honorable warriors. They always do the right thing according to honor, and this is kind of. The first time we kind of see the weakness and you I like the outrage that Picard had there. He's like you you admit this man is innocent but yet you condemn him to die and his um his reaction kind of might have been I kind of feel like that was my reaction is like oh my god what, what are you guys doing you're Klingons you can't be acting like cowards so um that was a to me that was a good scene towards the end.
0: Mm-hmm. Well yeah I mean if you if you know Klingons that very first scene well, not first scene, but one of the first scenes when um, Kempek takes Worf aside and says, No one will think negatively of you. Just leave and drop mm-hmm, this. Mm-hmm, you, know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, what, what a, a schemey, uncling on y kind of thing. You know, mm-hmm, it's like, mm-hmm. what's, what is going on here? Um, but anyway, uh, so, God, great episode. Um, very, very uh you, you cannot um overestimate the significance of this episode. Huh. And you know, it's it is about our character, but it has more to do with, you know, the Klingons than uh the Federation. Um, you know, so that's yet another risky kind of thing that they were doing, which seems obvious and simple to us now, but you know, they had to wonder, hey, are people going to give a crap about whether or not the Klingons go into civil war?
1: Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm.
0: you know, really. Um, but, of course, we did. And when you look at uh, DS9, the entire series is, uh, hinges on these other cultures. But anyway, going over time on this one. So we all love this episode, too. Yeah? Yes. yes. Absolutely. All right. Let's move on. Six Degrees for Sins of the Father. Adam, you have two... Um, so, would you like to go first or second?
2: Um, I'll go first.
0: All right. Charles Cooper plays the Klingon Chancellor Kempec, the leader that is apparently still too fat for K-Lest. Hmm. He played another Klingon, General Kord, in a Trek feature in which Spock says to his character, Damn you, sir, you will try. Which feature was that?
2: Um, That would be Star Trek
0: V. You are correct. Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. I think he even... He was a different character, but I think he even wore the same... Like, <laughs> like the, the vest with the medals. I think that was the same. All uh, right. Steve, uh-huh. Tony Todd plays Kern, Worf's long-lost brother. Todd plays many roles on Trek, but Kern was his most frequent. In how many episodes of Star Trek did he play this role? Was it four, six, or
1: eight? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, Four?
0: You are correct. It was four. Uh, Sins of the Father, Redemption, Parts One and Two, and Sons of Moog. Although on my notes, I wrote Sons of Moth. (laughs) That sounds like a Klingon pop band. Yes, indeed. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. Uh, uh, What? Three, two, one, moving on.
1: Allegiance season three episode eighteen production number one sixty six original air date march twenty sixth, nineteen ninety, directed by Winrick Colby, written by Richard Manning and Hans Beimler, music composed by Ron Jones. Guest cast includes Stephen Markle as Kova Thole, Rayner Scone as Esok, Jocelyn O'Brien as Melena Harrow, and Jerry and Jeff Rector as Alien.
2: While in his quarters, Picard is taken from the ship by an alien energy beam and held in a room with three other hostages. Meanwhile, on board the Enterprise, there is a false Picard who arouses the suspicions of the crew when he begins acting strangely.
0: Our positions necessitate a degree of professional detachment.
2: But there's a danger in becoming too detached, of never permitting ourselves to get closer.
0: Is that what you want, jean Luke? Get closer. Allegiance. Um, Caesar, kick us off.
2: Um, it's it's an okay episode. I mean, I remember this. i I think I might have remembered liking this more back way back when than I did this last time. That doesn't happen too often for me when where I liked an episode more way back when when I first watched it than when I watched it now. I mean, it's got its moments, but it's you know it's definitely just a. Singular episode. Um, well, it hurts that it's,
0: it's right after our massive winning trio we just had, right?
2: <clears throat> yeah, exactly. I mean, um, but I, I guess that had, might have something to do with it. But I mean, I, even so, I would say it's just a—it's pretty much middle of the road kind of episode. Um, like maybe if we saw this in season one and we think it was better, but I think kind of what hurts it is um, the um, the the false Picard. It just seems weird and then it's not really explained what all that was about. At the end. It's really wrapped up really quickly at the end of this episode, what was going on, um, which kind of makes it anticlimactic for me. So, But one, I, uh, I didn't hate it.
0: The weird thing is that clearly uh, pseudo Picard, as I wrote in my notes, PP, um, <laughs> pseudo Picard apparently he all has all of Picard's memories, right? Like apparently they know, not just him, but you know, the Bolian imposter knows the stuff that's in his mind somehow. So he, you know, he is immediately, even though he's pseudo Picard, the doppelganger is immediately saying stuff like make it. So, you know, I mean, he's saying mm-hmm. just, all, he has all the little Picardisms. isms, um, but, but then he turns around and belts out a song. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I yeah.
0: like, you know, there, there are some moments that I, you can have a lot of fun with this episode, like recutting it. <laughs> maybe cutting some scenes into other episodes. <laughs> um, I like when he, when he comes on to 10 forward and he says, Ales for everyone! <laughs> my first thought was, like I'd be like, um, aren't the Ales free in here? I mean, is it Ryder? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, if you then, immediately after he says, Ales for everyone! You immediately cut ahead a couple minutes and it, you see just Riker and he says, that's not the captain I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I don't know. Um, so it's got the the stuff I enjoy about it, oddly, are those those wacky the wacky stuff. That, mm-hmm. The scene with Crusher is probably that's the best scene in the whole episode to me, uh, where he invites Crusher to his quarters and they have a romantic dinner. Then he kicks because her out. We, yeah, and then he and then he kicks her out because even if that's you know that's a fake Picard, so it's not really it's not like lending us a great deal of insight. But one, we know everything he's doing is still somehow based on Picard's own thoughts and memories. Right, so we're getting some kind of insight into um, Picard, but we're getting loads of insight into Crusher's character, aren't we? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Because she she is interested, even though she's like, no, I'm I'm happy with things the way they are. But then she dances with him and kisses him, you yeah. know, um, you know, and she but she has she's very mature and she's uh, intelligent, you know, and because he says some some things, and, and you know, and she's like. An, an, is that what you want to move forward, or something like that? Um, so it, it's it's that's the best scene in the episode to me, and in in a in a way, that's anything that's good in this episode for me. That's what I'm getting out of it. On um, the stuff in the Enterprise, is that extra level of insight, you know? Um, and then in the the lab experiment section, not as much, but even that stuff, you know, I. I think that what I like in that section is just, again, that's probably that's not the kind of scene we usually would give to Picard. You know, uh, that those scenes, you, you know, it would be somebody else that would be kidnapped in that sense. You know, um, so we get to see Picard as, you know, as a little bit more of a, you know, a, a man of action, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know. I I just feel like this episode does do some good things for Picard the character. And that's why I I feel like overall that it is worthwhile, and it's not like it's bad when it's not as good. It's just, it's just
2: you know, it's okay. It's good. So, so that being said about Crusher, you know, you get some insight into Crusher and everything like that. So, um, looking at this, you know, knowing you know the whole series, I mean, they didn't really, they didn't do anything with that though. That insight with Crusher and all of that. I mean, next time you really see anything of Ricard. Crusher episode is when you know when they're kind of joined in memory or whatever i don't know what season that is five or six you know what episode i'm talking about Mm -hmm. when they're yeah so that's the next time that's like like bonded the
0: the name is something to that effect Mm -hmm. and that's a a
2: few years on down the road so i mean i think it's probably you know we discussed this a few episodes back where um it seems like Crusher is more of a secondary character than any of the others it's because they didn't do a whole lot with her and like you said, they did this with her. You get some insight into her and what she's kind of about, and then they just kind of leave it. You don't ever see anything about this again. So um, it's kind of disappointing well, in a it's way. It's
0: sad because, yeah, and we've, we've talked about that. We've all agreed about that being one of the biggest, if for me not the biggest, um, letdown of the of the show. Like the the one thing, if there was one thing by the time the show was over, I wish they had better developed it would have been her relationship mm-hmm. with Picard you know mm-hmm. a, a huge missed opportunity is my point point. and I've talked about how you know I think that the reason I like her the least on this show is because they did the least with her and when I think about her character I only think about it in conjunction to another character right mm-hmm. her relationship with Picard is kind of how I define her yeah <laughs> um and that's well, she's Wesley's their, mother. Yeah, yeah, right. And that's their—that's you know the writing. That's an issue with writing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, at this point in that in the show, <laughs> uh, we didn't know that was going to happen, um, and it was—it um, was good that we got that scene in this episode. And that's—and maybe that's why it's my favorite scene in the episode. Is because it's just about the closest we ever get to. Mm -hmm. anything tangible between them and you know on one hand hey picard he's the captain of the enterprise and we established in the original series that the captain's lady is his ship you know Mm -hmm. um i don't mean that in any sort of misogynistic or sexist way (laughs) but the captain is isolated hey on voyager first couple seasons, we all kind of wondered if something might happen between Janeway and Chakotay, but of course not. No, and he couldn't, and I'm glad it didn't, because the captain, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So, on this show, especially, Picard has his ship, and Crusher doesn't have, they don't have that reason for keeping her alone, so it it feels more sad about her than it does about Picard, because with Picard, it seems like more of a choice, and with her, uh, it seems like creative neglect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but again, this episode gives us just about the most we ever get from that, and and that's why that scene is, is good. I like that scene. That scene kind of makes the whole episode almost worth doing for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, do you guys have any Scenes in this episode that stick out?
1: I like the uh, way the ship looked when it pulled up to the pulsar. That angle from the bottom, we don't Mm. see that angle very often. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I know that's not particularly insightful. Yeah, no. And those guys, and of course, the the ending was pretty original series-like. It it was a goofy, silly ending, like, you know, ha, 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 ha. And we captured them, and they act goofy. They They should have have made
0: their voices way, way, way more high-pitched. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah.
1: And then it was kind of like a lesson, like, oh, next time you'll know it doesn't feel good to be trapped or whatever. Ha, ha, you know. I mean, that definitely felt like original series wrap-up.
0: Yeah, Yeah, and like Caesar said, you know, it's it's so fast. The ending is awfully fast. You know. Um I I don't know. I, I guess it could have used more, especially like when how Picard kind of figures out what had happened, like the, the real Picard in the, the lab experiment prison thing. You know, they could have had a more interesting way for him to kind of figure that out. But um I, I it doesn't feel like that much of a mystery. It doesn't feel like that much of that that there isn't a great sense of discovery whenever it's revealed that it's the fake bullion. Mm-hmm. You know. But yeah, that's fine. Um, I you really feel like this episode had more to do with the stuff they got to do with pseudo-Picard to me, mm-hmm. like you know singing in ten forward. Like. <laughs> um, but I you know even the bit about the the whole storyline of him taking them to this pulsar and he keeps wanting to know how far will the crew trust me? How long, how far does that trust go? It did. It reminded me a little bit of, wasn't there a first or second season episode where, oh yeah, it was in the first season when
1: he, he, uh, Mm, um, he was controlled by something. Yeah.
0: yeah, Like the real soul of the real Picard or whatever is somehow trapped in a nebula and he's trying to get back to there or something, you know, he's taken in there. It, It felt a little bit like that, but, um, you know, this one does have that extra, it does have a question that it asks in that sequence. You know, it's, how far do you follow these irrational orders? I don't think that's what the episode's about by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, it is a an interesting and worthwhile question, I suppose. Speaking of that, what do you guys think this episode's about?
1: Hmm. I mean, you know, to me it's like trying to be something about... Um, I don't know, it, f- it feels like the, the biggest point of it is the solving mysteries, but, I mean, the, the wrap-up makes you feel like they're shooting for something like um, the... Um, the immorality of, you know, holding captive and treating people like rats in a maze or something, but I don't know. It's it's pretty sketchy to me what they're tra- it's trying to be about. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, like-
2: had a, I had a hard time coming up with it, too, just because it's... You said, the second half of the episode was just kind of all over the place. I just had a hard time focusing in on anything and what it truly was about. I mean, Steve's like explanation it sounds as good as anything I could have come up with.
0: Well, by the standards of our show, that uh, means it doesn't hold up so well. Hmm. Um, well, you know. Like I
2: said, it's, a, it's an average episode. I wouldn't call it horrible.
1: <laughs> um, would have been incredible in season two. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, the whole thing right. shifted gears pretty much in season three, so yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> All right, well, we don't have to spend any longer on this one. Let's move on. Six Degrees for Allegiance. Uh, I believe it's Adam 3, Steve 1. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve, you going first or second? I'll go first. Essoc's costume was played by Essoc's costume. <laughs> yeah, Desperate, guys. We're <laughs> desperate. It would later appear in a slightly modified form. Now, that's the, um, what was he, uh uh-huh. Yeah. You know? Okay. Uh, it would later appear in a slightly modified form on a recurring character on DS9. Name the character. Hmm. maybe it earned.
1: Uh, is it uh, Morn's character? You are correct. That oh, okay. was Morn's outfit. Huh, That's darned.
0: Right. Adam, this is the first time we see Picard at the senior staff's poker game. Name the next and only episode in which he stops by the poker game. Um, The only other episode.
2: That would be the um, season finale. um, Best of um, all things, all good things.
0: You are correct. All good things. The series finale. A rare victory for Mr. Caesar. Congratulations. (laughs) All right. Um, So I've kind of hinted at it recently, folks, that uh, we were hoping to have a, a guest Interview soon, and that is going to happen. So we're going to be interviewing Mark Cushman, who uh, co-wrote the story for the upcoming episode Seric, which we are talking about at not our next podcast, but the one after that. And he has also recently uh, released a book called These Are the Voyages, which is uh, I'm I don't know I'm like 50 pages in. It's super super crazy levels of detail about the original series. Uh, It's like three volumes and um, this is the first volume and it's just on the first season. Um, And I'm really enjoying it. So anyway, we're going to have him on uh, in a couple episodes so that we can talk about both Sarek and his book. So that's one awesome thing. The other thing I just wanted to ask you guys quickly about... So um, Star Trek Into Darkness comes out on Blu-ray in in a uh, week or so. And uh, at least in the States, they have really dorked up the special features and maybe you know I I know there are people out there that care about this if you're not I understand you can sign off now but I I just have to comment so Caesar, you said you haven't heard about this so I'm going to tell you what it is so they have a couple hours worth of extra features right Mm -hmm. plus a commentary track they've only put like 30 some odd minutes of the extras on the Blu-ray the commentary isn't on there over an hour of the rest of the features not on there the commentary is only available via iTunes. Um, and then another set, 30 or so minutes of extras, are only available in a retailer-exclusive disc that you can only buy when you buy the Blu-ray or DVD from Target. And then another set of 30 minutes worth of extras are only available if you buy the disc from Best Buy. And even then, I don't. in the States, you don't get a disc. You get like a cinema now, like a digital... You know, online, get to watch it. I think in Canada, Best Buy does have an actual disc. But anyway, so the point is, you know, and now, of course, there are other retailer exclusive like toys, and, you know, Amazon has their little phaser. Walmart has a little uh, version, toy version of the, the Vengeance ship. That's right. That's what it's called. Yeah. You know, that's fine. I, I'm not, I don't care about that. I'm just saying they, the idea that they produced a couple hours worth of extras. And then divvy them up to all these different retailer exclusives, and and this is the part that bugs me. This is the part that's so unprecedented <laughs> that they put only the tiniest little bit on the actual bl- 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 Blu-ray, and they didn't even put the commentary on there. So usually it's that. Of course, that's you know that's where you, people spend the most money. That's where you get all these great extras, and then maybe there's some, if they're going to do some retailer exclusives like when they've done it before with Star Trek, it's been you know 10 or 15 minutes of like one thing this is the first time where the majority of it you would have to spend hundreds of dollars if you wanted to actually be able to see everything legally
1: so so yeah so this my thing is what did they think people were going to do you know i mean did they really think there was going to be that many people that are going to go buy it at every iteration so you can get all this stuff and and wouldn't they think the more likely conclusion would be we're just going to make a whole lot of people mad you know i mean yeah it, it's,
0: it's it's ridiculous either you think everybody's going to be all right well Either people are going to be, uh, I don't care, or not find out about it. I have a feeling that's probably somehow moronically what they thought. <laughs> or, well, people will just going to happily go buy it everywhere. <laughs> I'm as nuts as it gets, and I'm not going to do that. Yeah. You know, like I think of the three of us, I'm the one who would be the m- most likely to do that, and there's zero chance that I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, if nothing else, because. You know, the extras lately, or do they feel more like EPK, you know, electronics press kit, you know, mm-hmm. bull crap to me. And there's not really any real sense of depth. So even like this 30 minutes of extras, it's like, you know, it's like 10, three minute. Well, that's an exaggeration. <laughs> you know, it's, it's more like five, five or six minute things. Yeah. That's that sort of thing. So it doesn't even have that. But the, I mean, the commentary, that one really gets, because yeah. that's that's been in the last few years as extra features and behind the scenes stuff has become more and more EPK ish. That's the one thing where I knew I was getting a very sincere dialogue from, say, the filmmakers. Because they're sitting there for a couple of hours. um, It's not being edited and stuff for the most part. And it's real. um, And it's the most in-depth thing. No matter what, it's a couple hours, right? Um, That that's not on there. That is really, really unprecedented. I mean, if, if I could only have one extra, that would be the one I want. And it's not on there. Yeah. Now I think I'm hoping that you know the set comes with at least at least in the United States that it comes with like a digital copy code that lets me get the iTunes version for free. Mm-hmm. That would be better than nothing. At least I'd be able to listen to it. You still I'm not going to be watching it. You know it's going to be very difficult to watch it on my big on my big screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to sit there and listen to the commentary on my computer. But anyway.
2: Um, you' so my Caesar some-
0: you didn't hear anything about this does this sound <laughs> offens- offensive to you? Um,
2: you to be to be honest I'm not surprised it's um this is one of the problems that I think um
1: Hollywood has in
2: general they can't come to a standard format on how how they want to release um movies after they've um made their theatrical run, I mean, you know, it's, it's annoying, you know, you can get stuff on Netflix, but you can't get it here, you know, there's, so there's no, I mean, you and, Brian, you and I worked for Black Post for a number of years, you know, basically it was like, the when the movie came out on, it came out on that Tuesday, and it came out everywhere, and now it's just, <laughs> some movies come out really quick, some don't, think there's like no rules, and, um, especially on, um, on featurettes and things like this this is one of the things i've noticed in the last several years and i understand it you know like on rental copies you don't get any you don't get any features and i get that yeah when they're trying to get you to buy it but it just kind of seems like a lot of the things are all over the place and nothing is just standardized and um you know what Um, uh, you know paramount is owned by viacon and is always kind of just kind of try to squeeze the most dollars out of you as, as much as they can. So to be honest with you, I, I don't really buy a lot of videos or DVDs anymore just because, yeah, it's just it's the re-releasing of all the things. And even though I know we've talked about this before with the HD, um, with the Blu-ray of um, Next Gen... I I would like to have them, but I don't want to have to keep rebuying things over and over again. It's not that I don't have the money to do it, but it's just like, why why do you, why do you why are you making your fans shell out several hundred dollars every you know few years for for things? It's just it's just it's just, it's just annoying. It's just I don't know, I'm kind of rebelled about over about it the last several years. And to be honest with you, it doesn't surprise me that it's the release is kind of a mess.
0: Steve, what are what are you gonna do?
1: Well, um, I'll probably just pick a retailer and do it. You know, I, I, I have a target near me and I'll probably get at a target, you know, so, you know, get, get some of it then, you know, and then if I can, if indeed there's a digital copy and I can listen to the commentary on, in that fashion because of iTunes, I'll do that as well. But, you know,
2: well, no, the, the first movie, um. J- Abram's first movie had a digital copy and that's the reason why I, I don't I, the <laughs> that's the only way I buy movies now is if they have a di- um, some sort of digital copy to, through iTunes if they don't I don't even I don't even consider buying them because yeah just, well that
0: that's a different problem now is that a lot of times I'll say digital copy and it won't even be an iTunes version yeah yeah, yeah it'll no, be yeah.
2: ultraviolet or something yeah, other. yeah yeah it has to specifically say iTunes for me to buy it now this well, is what, because I yeah ahead. it's just, it's a lot of work hauling around you know in in Brian's case, I'm sure it's close to <laughs> tens of thousands of DVDs. It's just it's just easier to keep. A, you well, know. ultimately, the
0: time. you know, I, I digital is great, and I have discovered with a with a child mm-hmm. owning something in the cloud is really nice because you can push a button and you're watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, for something like say Star Trek Into Darkness, I want the best quality image that I can get. Period. You know, especially for it may not be my favorite Star Trek movie, but I, no doubt about it, it's got production value greater than anything we've ever seen and i want to see that in all its pretty prettiness you know sure um and i know that that's the blu-ray you know um the bitrate is many times that of the uh digital version but you know what what bugs me is i have a feeling like what you were just complaining about caesar Mm -hmm. you know how they they just they just you just they, they set it up so you'd have to rebuy it and rebuy it and rebuy it. At least now, like for me, like buying next gen on Blu-ray, I really feel like, <laughs> you know, okay, <laughs> you can hang me for this later, but in <laughs> mm-hmm. front of me later, but I really think this is the last time, you know? <laughs> like, what else is there going to be? They're not even scanning it higher than, than, they're only scanning it in at 1080. I know this is it. Um, you know, so even if there was some, n- another format someday, 2K, 4K, these next gen masters, or at least right now, they're not up there. Um... So we, th- we we we've talked so, about this
2: before. I think that their general motivation is to keep the show into syndication, and they yeah. need a they need an HD format for broadcast, whether it be Netflix or on the Sci Fi Channel or something like that. They need a higher quality of resolution for these but, shows because everybody's got an HDTV now.
0: But at any rate, my hope was that the Into Darkness Blu Ray, you know, I'm buying it today. All the stuff is out there. But what I'm worried that what they're going to do is, you know, six months a year. Oh, now here's the super special edition, yeah, which yeah. has all of those retail yeah. exclusives in one package. Probably, you know, yeah. I'm not buying that.
2: Well, I mean, it's the same deals for Star. Last time I bought Star was the last DVD edition. Remember the one where they, where he released the original theatrical versions on that DVD. Yeah, set? it was like
0: a really crappy quality print. It was yeah. like the Letterbox SD mm-hmm. tape masters. But- yeah.
2: That was the last time I bought Star Wars, and I think they've released two different other two other versions since then. There were there was another DVD version, and there was a Blu-ray release. So just like I just kind of get tired of doing it over and over again. I'm just like, okay, I have the movie, I can watch it whenever I want. I don't need to buy it again. You know, it's kind of just the attitude I'm, I'm in right now.
0: Well, Steve, you know, mm. Steve, you actually do. You collect a fair number of Blu-rays now. I would call yeah. you a collector for sure. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah I do. Um, I, you know, I I like. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say
0: after what you say, you know, if you can comment what you, on this trend, you know, mm-hmm. what you think of it of special feature separation and stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I. I. I'm not one usually to put a lot of emphasis on that. I mean, I, I like special features are like you know ones that have depth and are actually interesting and not just a promo, as you mentioned. But I don't put a great deal of concern over it. I'm I'm, I'm kind of with you though in terms of the lack of commentary. That's the thing that that irritates me the most. I I could have, I would have sloughed off a little bit than the, if if there'd have been like a. You know, thirty minutes of something, or and it's whatever. unprecedented.
0: Nobody's ever done this.
1: Yeah, part. yeah, but not even the commentary on the disc. I mean, you know, that that's that's that's, that's pretty weak too. Yeah, it's pretty weak.
2: Yeah. Well, I'll give you an example of how crazy it is right now. So, um, I rented The Great Gatsby tonight, the mm-hmm. one with DiCaprio. I rented it at a Whole Foods. They got their own like local, you know, rent a movie cart. It's kind of similar to the Redbox. Well, I can rent it there, but I can't rent it at Redbox because it's not going to come out for another month on Redbox. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I can go onto iTunes and rent it. Um, you can't get it on Netflix. So it's just you have to like you have to have, you have to know the rules of each like little rental outfit. And <laughs> yeah,
0: um, I can't it- tell you how many times I have not like I'm to the point, you know, hey, I don't have cable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I pay for Netflix. I pay for Hulu Plus, you know. And then there are select shows like, of course, you know, like Breaking Bad. You know, we, we buy that stuff on iTunes so that we can watch it the day it comes out. You know, that that's basically how we keep up with shows and, and and you know, movies and things. And that I yes, I buy a fair number of Blu-rays. But I can't tell you how many times I'll, I'll see like an ad for a show and I'll be like, oh, that sounds interesting. Or I like the guy that made that show or I like this actor, whatever. I like to give that a shot. And then I'll try to find the dang show. And they make <laughs> it so freaking hard for me. Like, the only way you're going to see this show is if you spend $200 a month for a cable package, have every channel under God (laughs) and a DVR. That's the only way you can watch our show. And, you know, I'll just be like, oh, my God, forget it. It's not worth it. I do not want to see your show that bad. If you're going to make it that hard for me to see it, forget it. I'm out. I got plenty of other shows to watch. That's well, see, usually that's, what happens.
2: See, that's the advantage for me. You know, I work for Comcast, so I get all that I get that ridiculous cable package for like <laughs> twenty bucks a month. So yeah. So well uh, then so so for me to say like ah, I'm gonna rebel against the DVD, well, it's easier for
0: me to do you know, that because I got I could steal. I, literally I, know have, I can steal it. I know how to steal these shows. It's very easy. <laughs> yeah. But it's still more trouble than I'm willing to go to. <laughs> right. you know? I'm I still mean, not gonna I'm not even gonna steal it. I'm just I'm not gonna watch it. I'm gonna watch some there's more content out there that I do have access to legally then I have time to watch. I'm going to watch one of those. You know, if you're going to make it hard, just have fun making your show without me and maybe someday it'll be on Netflix, you know.
1: Well, you know, so, for me well, to sum this crap up is basically that I don't understand the motivation. I don't understand the point. I mean, specifically addressing let's put a whole bunch of different exclusives out there, all these different places. Because, okay, we know, we, you know, the three of us here are probably in what, the 99th percentile of, of knowing what's going on with all the features and keeping up with it. And oh, so if you want this, we'll go out and this. You know, the vast majority. Don't care or don't know, and they're just gonna go somewhere and buy the thing, you know. Then
0: why separate it up? You know why why you doing this?
1: All you're doing, all you're the only result is irritating people like us. I I don't see how it gains any anything. Well, the other
0: thing is, at least before, if some retailer got some retailer exclusive content, then they you know, maybe they, they paid for that. And you would, if you were, if you were really into it like us, and maybe you'd actually yeah. hear about it, then you'd be like, okay, well, I'm going to go to that retailer and get it. Yeah, Like say the Avengers, they had an extra disc there of, of, of you know, of yep. almost well, like a feature doc. A, so I went there to get it. But here it's like, okay, well, yeah, Target has, <laughs> Target has their own extras, but so does Best Buy. And so does iTunes. Well, right. now it's not a question of, I'm going to go there to get the extra content. Now it's a question of, which extra content do I choose? <laughs> so I'm not going to buy them all, you know. So it's not really an ins- it's no longer a retailer incentive. It's no longer incentivizes me to buy it over one retailer retailer over another when they all have it. Yep. Unless I'm so nuts that I'm going to buy all of it, and I'm sure there are some people like that. Sure. But I don't think most people are. Even the nutty ones like me, who if I'm not going to do it, then I know most people are not going to do it.
2: We'll see that. Well, that's why, you know, I know Steve has a, a vast um, Criterion collection. I'm sure you do too, Brian. That's what I love about Criterion. I mean, they, I could accept that because Criterion was a specialized um, release of a movie and it had specialized Criterion on um, special features. And so I didn't have a problem with that, but I mean, yeah, it's getting so convoluted with everybody having different stuff. It's almost like um, trying to get a copy of Blade Runner. Cause there's like 20 released light <laughs> runners out there, but Brian, that's, you know, you should just spend the $200 on cable every month. It's just a lot easier. <laughs> I literally, I literally have probably 20 HBO channels and that's just HBO. So it makes it a lot easier to watch. Well, watch that's
1: your- cool. But in this case, <laughs> you're still going to have to pay a hundred dollars to go get all the features on star Trek in the dark. So. <laughs> this, <is true. laughs> yeah, well.
0: this is true. All right. So, um, if you stuck around for our uh, our discussion there, thanks. <laughs> our pitch session. <laughs> yeah, but hey, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing the movie again. I, I've had like weird, <laughs> over time, like I think it, it somehow it's somehow it's, it's less. It's When we, we discussed it, when it came out, I saw it and I thought, this is good. Not great. Good. Not as good as the previous one, but it's good. But like over time, I think I've started thinking more negative thoughts about it. So I'm hoping I'll rewatch it and everything's fine again supposed to it gets worse <laughs> anyway um, so thank you so much for listening uh, you can follow us on Twitter that's at trek companion our Facebook listener page is facebook.com slash trek companion you can send us an email that's trek companion at gmail.com uh, if you feel so inclined you can leave uh, a review on iTunes that's how people find us that's the most helpful thing you can do um anyway so till next time take it easy good night See you.